we have a team of people running around on the field. Well, they're not just all doing their own thing with no connection to everything else. Uh, they have the big picture. They know what the game plan is. They know what the standings are. They know who they're competing against and what's at stake in every game. We don't equip people very well in the business world, in other businesses, let's say non-sports uh, businesses, to do that, to have that knowledge and understanding. And why is that important? Well, it's important because if somebody drops the ball and it's bouncing around on the field, I don't say, gee, I, I wonder if somebody's going to pick that up or that's the running back's problem. He, he's supposed to have the ball anyway or whatever, right? I just know there's a loose ball because I know the, uh, I have a, an understanding of the big picture and I know what's at stake if that ball doesn't get picked up by the you're listening to the focus on customer experience podcast Podcast. benjamin del grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket now here's your host benjamin del grosso Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Kevin Herring. He's a recognized expert in team and business unit turnarounds and creator of the 90-Day Turnaround, a unique program for building great leaders and transforming any work group into a highly engaged, high-performing team in just 90 days. Kevin has been featured as a national conference keynote speaker and has been published and quoted in Forbes, CFO, Talent Management, workforce and hr executive among others kevin welcome to the show thank you great to be here appreciate the opportunity this is awesome so so how did how did you get to doing what you do oh that's an interesting story but um i've i've since i was young i always had a passion for uh how to do things better you know how to improve work processes and always kind of paid attention to those things and i liked it when i had a lot of autonomy so that i could figure out for myself how I like to do things and could improve. And eventually, uh, you know, I was going to college and I had a summer job that was pretty unique in that I ended up working on an assembly line. It was a food dehydrator company. And, and I uh, was introduced to this accidental self-directed work team. <laughs> there was no manager around. Uh, he just was too busy doing other things. And so this team just kind of evolved into something where they tried to keep it interesting for themselves and they would set goals all on their own. And uh, it was just a fascinating experience. And it was a very diverse group of people too. It wasn't like they all came from one area or one place. We had Southeast uh, Asian refugees, some of whom couldn't speak very much English. And so we had some challenges communicating and we had students, we had uh, middle-aged uh, married couples, you know, just a variety of people working on this assembly line. But somebody just at random would write a number up on the board every couple of weeks and say, today's goal, let's see if we can hit this goal, just to keep it interesting. And so we'd all work toward that goal. And we were setting production records constantly throughout that entire summer, just continuing to further our, our performance. And nobody in the organization seemed to know or care. I don't think anybody had any idea what we were doing in that organization. Um, and we did it only for ourselves. 
And so I, I looked at that and I thought, wow, this is fascinating. I mean, there's no, there are no incentives or no bonuses. There's, there's nobody uh, patting us on the back or, or coming in and celebrating our wins. Nobody seemed to know or care. And yet we were doing this all summer long. And, and I started getting interested in what motivates people. How, why are they self-motivated? What is it that, that enables that kind of thing to happen in organizations? And, uh, and, and I, I love working with people. I like uh, business. And so I really, uh, it sort of all came together when I discovered the field of organizational behavior and leadership and, and how leaders influence culture and people's decisions about how they engage at work. And, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, I'll add, I, I had a fascinating experience too early in my career where I was recruited to work for a company that was going through an entire uh, company-wide, corporate-wide cultural transformation. Um, they were in pretty dire straits financially and, and had to take desperate measures to turn things around. They Instead of massive layoffs and cost-cutting, they turned to the unions and the employees and and uh, pulled together and said, we, got, we have to do something different or we're going to lose it all, and, including all these thousands of jobs. And they did. They pulled it together and I was able to be part of that turnaround. So it was a great experience. Nice. Yeah, no, uh, it, it's, it's really weird. Like when I used to work at Best Buy, I, I would put on, I would say, hey, this is our goal. We have to hit our goal. And we, you know, we would try and hit the goal. But as soon as I said, hey, you know what, guys, if we hit an extra 10% above our goal, I'll buy you guys pizza next Saturday. Mm -hmm. And it's like, holy crap, we'd hit it. We'd break it by like 20% because like yeah. everybody was so motivated to like get that pizza. And all I was thinking was like, it's only going to cost me like 20 bucks. Like why are <laughs> right. people, they're so motivated by this. And it's because everybody on the team was going to win because they were all going to get some pizza. It wasn't just like it was all common ground. Instead of just, I'm only rewarding the one guy who sells a thousand dollars. I'm not right. rewarding anyone else, right? So yeah, we're not stressing about the different levels of performance. You know, everybody is at different levels and different things. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. But when they have a common goal, everyone pulls together, and it's amazing how the stronger ones lift up the weaker ones. And the whole team does better. Uh, that's a great example. I was working with a group of leaders one time and I had somebody tell me that, uh, and this is an interesting experience. He said, he said, my team hates me. They hate my guts because of how hard I work them. I expect them to do work. And that's okay because I hate their guts too. <laughs> and uh, that's not good. <laughs> and I said, okay, so let's talk about the performance of the team. He says, oh, it's lousy, you know. And it turns out he's got the lowest performing team uh, in the in the whole unit, and he blames it all on the people. He says he gets all the worst people. So of course it's not him. It's it's the people he gets. <laughs> They're the problem. And so. Uh, um, so I said, well, let's talk about that. And, and uh, I, there was another leader in the organization. I said, I want to talk about your experience. And because he had taken over a team of people that were doing heavy labor and uh, unloading rail cars, out, rail cars out in the hot sun and most of it by hand. Um, so it was just brutal work. And, and uh, during the summer, it was pretty, pretty rough. And 
he inherited this team, which was a very low performing team. And within a couple of months, they were some of the highest performers out there. And, and uh, we talked about what, 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 what we could attribute to that change. And he said he got beat up all the time by his boss because he would do things like what you just said. He said, I would bring them cold drinks out there and say, Hey, take a, take a break. You guys are working hard, have some cold drinks and, and take a little break and you'll feel better. And, uh, and then we'll get started again. And, or he'd buy them lunch. Um, he would do things because they worked hard. And when, when uh, they knew that he was a real person who cared about them, was trying to make things better for them, they were more willing to work and, and, and really put out. And, and I mean, they doubled productivity in just a few months with him. And I think that what we find is that every single team out there, I mean, if you look at your team, almost nobody has a team that's fully optimized where everybody's you know, doing their best and contributing the most. And it doesn't mean that people aren't necessarily working hard. It just means that we don't tap the full potential that, that people have that when they come to work, you know, we have, we have the way we, we do the work, the systems, the culture, the rules of how we have to operate, all those things get in the way. And so when I get a group of people together and I ask them, is the company getting everything they can from you? I mean, do you have a lot of capabilities, knowledge, understanding, uh, you know, different ways you could contribute that the company doesn't get from you for whatever reason? Not because you're not working hard, but things just aren't set up to be able to access it. And every hand goes up in the room. Everybody, every core worker says, yeah, I'm working hard, but there's so much more I could do if they would just let me. You know, if they if they would change this rule or they could let me uh, have access to, to, the, to these tools or this information and that kind of thing. And so what you have is a whole bunch of people working at uh, a low level of capacity, um, even when they're working hard. And at the same time, you've got a situation where the surveys show us that somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of employees are, are disengaged at work. They're not even in, fully engaged. They're just going through the motions to keep their jobs and do what they need to do to survive. Collecting a paycheck. So, yeah, to get a paycheck. And, and you think, wow, you know, the unrealized potential is huge. And every manager can look at their team and say, yeah, we don't work well together all the time. Uh, sometimes people are bickering and fighting. Some people won't talk to each other. Uh, we don't collaborate. Everybody works in silos and, and uh, nobody pays attention to the big picture. And I mean, you have all those things that every manager can relate to. And you think, what is the cost of that to the business? And sometimes we'll drill down in an organization. We'll show the cost. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And so what, what, uh, what I found is that when we discovered what some of the core things were that could help a manager build a high performing team and really turn that thing around. The results are phenomenal. Sometimes they double productivity. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing what they can do, but everybody's dealing with the same things. They've read the books, they've gone to the seminars. They can't seem to fix it. They can't seem to take that team to another level. And so we've, we've worked hard for years to, to find the, the key things that make a difference and then to, uh, package them in a way that 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 any manager can can understand and apply it yeah you know a big part of being a leader i've worked at a few places where 
they don't want to train the employees. They say, no, like, yeah. I don't want to train them because what if they quit? I, exactly. And right. it's like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, but what if we don't train them? That's the service we're going to deliver to our employees, right? Yeah. So so instead of investing in them and making sure our customers get a good experience, we take care of them and give them good customer service, we'd rather not spend them because what if they leave? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, that's what we want to deliver is, is a mediocre experience to our customers. <laughs> and then we're also not valuing our employees by investing in their future. Because realistically, even if they do leave a year from, from now and you've trained them, you should be happy to know that you've invested time in them to make them a better person. And they were able to go find a better job because not every business is going to have openings for them to grow into. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about how you you make it easier. So what what like uh, what are some of those uh, key things that you are teaching or doing to help managers? Yeah, there are so many things we can do, but uh, one of the the core things is that we have to give people the big picture. You know, in most organizations, we start at the top of the organization hi uh, hierarchy, up at the top of the pyramid, and those leaders at the top have the most understanding of the big picture, knowledge of the business and how it works. Um, they have the decision authority and access to and control of all the resources and things like that. That all occurs at the top of the pyramid. But as we move down to, through the pyramid till we get closer and closer to the core work and to the customer, those things get delegated to lesser and lesser degrees until you get to those like you were just referring to people right at the front lines who are doing the work or who are interfacing directly with the customer have the least amount of information, the least understanding of the big picture, uh, the least understanding of how all the systems in the organization work together to, to deliver the service or the product. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy because those who are most critical to the success of the business right there on the front lines are the least equipped to do so. They have knowledge that nobody else has because they're there talking to the customer. They're there doing the work. They know what works and what doesn't. They know what the problems are. And they could solve a lot of them if they had the tools and resources to do it. And if they had an understanding of the larger organization so that they could make business decisions that would be right, not just for the customer, but for the business in the long term. And so you know, one of the most important things that we can do is to push all that, the knowledge, the understanding of the, the business, the big picture, access to and control of the resources, all those things down to the core workers, to the people talking to the customers. That's, that's key. And so what do we do to help people get the big picture? It's a, it's, a, it's a literacy issue, right? It's about business literacy, teaching them the big picture. It's amazing how many light bulbs go on when you have people in a room, frontline employees, who now understand what the company produces. <laughs> right? Sometimes they're focused on a little piece of the, of the product and they don't even know what they produce. I can give you a lot of examples of that. It's, it's incredible. Um, it's amazing about the, the light bulbs that go on. People understand what business they're in and who the competitors are and how they stack up against the competition. You know, are they a big player, small player? Um, what, what's critical for their success? What are their strengths and weaknesses against other, uh, against the competition, other companies who also serve the same customers? 
and what do they need to do to better compete? When they start understanding those things, they, they see themselves as part of a bigger whole. And that orientation is pretty important to their having a sense of commitment to the success of the, of the whole and, and the bigger picture. So they're not just doing some piece, throwing it over the wall, hope someone else picks it up and does what they need to do. Right. Think and think we're, we have a, we're coming up to the Super Bowl, right? Think of, think of the, of, uh, in uh, football, you, we have a team of people running around on the field. Well, they're not just all doing their own thing with no connection to everything else. Uh, they have the big picture. They know what the game plan is. They know what the standings are. They know who they're competing against and what's at stake in every game. We don't equip people very well in the business world, in other businesses, let's say non-sports uh, businesses, to do that, to have that knowledge and understanding. And why is that important? Well, it's important because if somebody drops the ball and it's bouncing around on the field, I don't say, gee, I, I wonder if somebody's going to pick that up or that's the running back's problem. He, he's supposed to have the ball anyway or whatever, right? I just know there's a loose ball because I know the, uh, I have a, an understanding of the big picture and I know what's at stake if that ball doesn't get picked up by the right team. <laughs> I jump on it or I pick it up and run or I do whatever makes sense to do, even though um, I'm a blocker or, you know, I, I don't have anything to do with the ball normally. You know, people have to have that understanding. And so give them the big picture, go around, take them around the organization, show them who does what and how all the pieces fit together and then help them see how they contribute to, or in some cases, maybe even hinder the work in other areas. So how do we and our team help each other? What do we need from each other? And what, are, what does our team need to do to help other teams? So we create an internal service culture where we're all trying to help each other to, to succeed overall as a team, just like the sports teams do. Yeah, I feel, I feel like you're... I feel like you're you're talking some some of it you're talking about with like systems and processes, right? Absolutely. Yep. And it, you know it's interesting because uh, you know we were talking off camera about hockey and the Minnesota mm -hmm. North Stars and all the all this kind of you know reminiscing of the old old good old days. And I, I'm huge into you know soccer or English Premier League football, and there's a lot of big players that are extremely talented that have never made it, and the mm -hmm. reason why they never made it is because they actually don't remember the plays. So like when we're talking about football, like, you know, you know, NFL football here, you know, if Dave, whatever his name is, goes onto the field and they tell him the play is, um, I don't know, four corner square or some junk. Like I have no idea. I'm just making stuff up here. Right. And he doesn't realize that that means he needs to go far right and run 20 yards up the field and his goal is is to you know run against the defense and catch a long ball or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. If he doesn't remember that and he runs along the left, and there's already another guy running on the left, he's messing up the entire play that's about to happen, right? And because of that, they're supposed to memorize all these plays in the in the in what are they called like the workbook or or the, uh, the like playbook, the tactical, yeah. yeah, right? So that's all part of it. And, and that's the same thing. Like when you're in work and something goes wrong, like, hey, a customer comes in and they're having a, a challenge. What's our processes and procedures to take care of that? Yeah. And, and like what you're talking about, 
if you make this certain decision, how's it going to affect all the other departments? And understanding that big picture that because you did this, you've now affected warranty, you affected accounting, right. affected yep. the technician, you've affected the manager because now the manager now you've heated that customer up more. The manager has to take care of it. The technician needs to do this, right? But if you did this, really the customer would be happy. And now we, you know, we're taking care of them tomorrow and the technician will make sure to get that repaired. Right. And just understanding, like, you're just explaining it, the big picture of how it's affecting the whole, like the whole chain, the whole systems and processes. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it at least. Yeah, right? absolutely. So they have to understand the whole system, all the processes. And then, and then when they do that, they can work together to improve them because they're at the front lines. They see what breaks down, you know, they see what isn't working. And when you pull them together, they can identify those things and they usually have great ideas as to how to fix them. Um, so giving them those opportunities is important, but they can't do that in a vacuum. They've got to have the big picture to do that correctly. Um, the other thing is it's all about their commitment too. You see people who work in the front lines, they're interfacing with the customer and they're so frustrated because they get no support from their boss. Um, uh, they, uh, when, when they see a problem and they want to do the right thing for the customer and they're told they can't, uh, they start to lose commitment. They start to disengage and they say, okay, well, whatever, whatever policy is, that's what I do. And I don't, I don't give a second thought and I don't try to make the situation better for the customer. I don't go the extra mile. I don't do those things. So now your customer is having bad experiences. So how do we fix that? Well, one of the one of the ways we fix one one way we fix that is by by um, you know not just educating people but uh, giving them the wherewithal so that they can make some decisions and they have access to that decision authority and any resources they need to solve a customer. Zappos is always a great example people use, you know, about how employees go crazy to to satisfy a need that a customer has way out of their swim lanes, way out of their boundaries to help people. And as a result, the reputation is just amazing. People want to buy from Zappos because they feel confident that they're going to get a great experience. Um, and, and that happens, that can't happen when we restrict people, we constrain their uh, resources, they, we constrain their decision authority we don't let them do what they know is right to do <clears throat> and best to do under the circumstances. So we have to give them the freedom to do that. Uh, commitment, uh, individual commitment comes out of that. You can't, you know, we talk about accountability and holding people accountable. When things that we look at our team, it's not going well, HR says you got to hold people more accountable. That's always the default solution. And I can tell you that people, you know, managers say, I, I am trying to hold them accountable. I mean, I got their feet to the fire. I'm nagging them. I'm micromanaging. I'm doing all those things. And all those things are making things worse. They're not making things better. And, and so they can't figure out what else to do because that's what they're told. They have to hold people more accountable and exert more pressure on them. When the reality is what they need to do is look at what's wrong in the system. What's wrong? Why is the culture what it is? Why are things not working? Do people even have the resources they need? Are they, do they feel committed? Because if you're holding them accountable by micromanaging and nagging and those kinds of things, it, exerting pressure on them, what you're doing is, is creating a culture of compliance where nobody's committed to anything. All they're doing is complying with whatever they're pressured to do to keep their jobs. 
but they will not go the extra mile because they don't have a sense of personal commitment. You don't create that sense of commercial of personal commitment unless you do things to change the culture. Like you build their understanding of the bigger business, uh, the larger business. You, you help them connect with each other and other pieces of the business. You empower them, you give them the, uh, you enable them to choose uh, how to, to fix things, to, to use their knowledge and their understanding of things to make things better, improve processes, improve the customer experience, shorten cycle times and all those kinds of things. You enable them to do that. And then they'll start to feel like they can choose accountability because they have more control. You can't choose to be accountable for something that you have no control over and expect to succeed. That's going to be a bad experience. That's what causes people to disengage. But you want people to choose accountability, not be held accountable through pressure, and that kind of thing. You know, that that's funny because uh, I, I was actually editing one of my podcasts from about a month ago to this morning before our call. And one of the things I actually talked about on there is how I used to have a manager that I would go to for everything. And he would just automatically just give me all the answers. Uh-huh. Right. And then, then hold me accountable to doing it. Right. Uh-huh. And then, but then I had another manager where I would go up to him and I would say, you know, this is such and such wrong. And he would go, okay, well, what's your solution for it? And I was like all confused at first. Right. And then I started coming up to him and going, we should do this or this. These are the two solutions. And he goes, well, which one do you think is best? And I said, this one. Okay, go do it. And it got to the point where I was empowered to yeah. just start making those decisions because there was a trust in me that, okay, you're making good decisions. You're not being corrected. And I personally believe in having an empowered team. Because if your team's empowered to start making a lot of decisions on their own, keep in mind, you know, you want to make sure that they're not, you know, uh, making a decision where the company could lose a million dollars, you know, right? Sure. Like, you know, right. But that's also, that's, that has to do with your company structure and, and the game and, uh, plan. If you have yeah. a game plan, people understand what the parameters are. They make yes. better decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So just make sure that, you know, that, but I believe, yeah, you should definitely be empowering your people because, because of that you will run more efficiently. You'll have a lot less meetings. Cause I feel like meetings are a complete waste of time. A lot of times, can sometimes be, they're productive, but yeah, I mean, you know, want to waste a half an hour. My, uh, yeah. I remember working at this place and they would, they'd have this sign on the wall. It said, you want to waste half an hour, call a meeting. <laughs> You know, like. <laughs> well, and that's a great point. You notice how the manager you were you were talking about asked questions, didn't just give you the answer. He asked you questions, got you thinking about it, and developing your own solutions. So you were empowered then to do something about it. By doing that, he's also building your understanding and your capacity to contribute at a higher level. You were growing in that role, whereas in the previous role you described. You weren't growing at all because because the manager had all the answers and just gave you uh, tasks to perform and you didn't have to really think about it. But but that's a couple of key things there. Managers should see themselves as being responsible for building the productive capacity of every individual on the team. Questioning techniques like you just described are powerful for doing that. Instead of giving answers, instead of being the go-to person, start asking questions of people and asking them to think about it and come up with their own answers and, and then letting them act on those things. Um, It builds a great commitment too, because it's your idea. You're committed to it. You're far more interested in making it work. 
Uh, I, I give you a, a great example that I, I was working with a, a group of people who um, did a lot of wonderful things to structure their, restructure their company and set it up based on all the great examples of companies like Zappos and Nordstrom's, you know, great, great customer service and then processes systems, all these things they took into account from those who kind of were the models for it. Um, and, but they had some struggles. And one of the things that happened, uh, they, they bought a new uh, um, enterprise software system to run their, their uh, systems and, and uh, their organization. And they had a kind of a breakdown where end users were complaining that it was, a, it didn't work. It was broken. It was wrong system and all that. And, and so they called me and said, we're not sure. We, we're sure it works. We just don't understand why people are saying it doesn't work. We can't figure it out and we're not getting straight answers. And we're just really frustrated because we poured millions of dollars into this. And um, so I asked them some questions that just, you know, what was your process? How did you make the decisions? And they did all the normal things. They, they had uh, key people from the different uh, divisions, uh, the business units come in and they got the presentations from the different vendors. You know, they made their list of their needs and wants and all that sort of thing. And, and, and then they went back to the uh, end users and tried to kind of sell them on it and get them using it. And that's where everything broke down. And I said, what would have happened? And I, this is kind of an extreme. You wouldn't normally do this, but what? Just let's just explore this. What would have happened if you had called in people, representatives from the end user groups and had them flow, flew them into your, your corporate headquarters, uh, put them up for the night, had a big meeting and had them listen to some of those presentations and give uh, input? and help participate in the decision process. They said, are you nuts? You know how much that would cost? <laughs> and uh, I said, I don't know, how much would it cost? And we actually sat down and we calculated how much that would have cost. And I said, how much is that compared to the millions of dollars that you just poured into something that's doing nothing for you? <laughs> it was a drop in the bucket, right? It was, it was nothing like that. And I said, I'm not suggesting that you get every employee involved in every corporate-wide decision that you have to make. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm just trying to make a point. If, if you have people who are going to be executing, implementing, and using this system, or any system for that matter, wouldn't it behoove you to involve them at some level in the process of either deciding how to do it or how to, how to execute, how to implement it, you know, right? And so they said, well, what do we do now? I said, I think you, you step back a minute, you bring some people in from those user uh, groups and you find out what's not working, what's missing for them. And they did that. And the interesting thing is uh, they had this group go and analyze the options and come back with a proposal. And they did, and they came back and they said, uh, not surprisingly, we would not have picked that system. We don't think that's the best. We would have picked this other system. And, uh, and, but in looking at what do we do now, you know, we thought it's too expensive to scrap it and go to something new. That just wouldn't make sense. There's too much invested. But we feel like if you do certain things, we could make this work. So we need to take it off the system and reinstall it uh, with, you know, with these things in mind. The changes were really pretty minor. They reinstalled it. You know, everybody, uh, all the end users were thrilled. They said, it's working great. Uh, it's just amazing what we can do with this. Good decision. Well, what changed? They didn't do anything dramatically different. What changed is they owned it, right? 
They owned that decision because they were part of it. And they chose to be accountable for its success. So the reality was um, it doesn't matter what they would have suggested that was done. It would have been a tremendous success because it was their idea. <laughs> they, right? they owned it. They committed to it. They made it work. And it was a tremendous success. I think there are a lot of lessons in that experience. Yeah, and- there's there's definitely a lot of lessons. I mean, I I just think about when Target came to Canada and uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Target because you're in the yeah. States. Target yeah. came to Canada and they had systems and processes that had already been working for many years in the United States. And they promoted a guy to run Canada. And he said, you know, I don't like the systems and processes that Target's doing. So I'm going to use a whole new software. Mm-hmm. So he went and used this whole new software. And then they had, you know, their purchasing department, all this kind of stuff. And basically what ended up happening is they were expecting to get like one container of a certain product. Let's call it Barbie dolls, right? Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening, because Canada uses a different system than what the the States does, right? Uh, I can't remember what what the thing is, but instead of like centimeters, inches, all that kind of stuff, they ended up with two and a half containers, so now, because he, you know, wasn't thinking about all the differences between Canada and the U.S., plus he has this new software program. So now this inventory came in that they planned to have space for one container for, and they needed to have two and a half containers worth of space. Now, where I'm going with this is when the United States came up, the people from Target head office came up and said, hey, we're going to help you with this. They had no idea how to use the system. Mm. Because now it's a completely different system. So no one could help them. And they were so already so deep in debt that they pulled the plug and yeah. shut down all the Target Canada, which is a shame because I do like the Target experience. We do go down to the States occasionally just to go to Target, right? Well, But, you know, that's kind of, you know, if that person would have used the same systems and processes that were already there mm-hmm. in the States, they'd probably still be active here in Canada today. That's a, that's a great example. And you think of what, what could have happened had they just tapped the untapped potential of their employees and brought them in and had conversations about what was lacking, what was needed, and, and that sort of thing. If they had just had the input from people who already had some core knowledge, core business knowledge, they probably could have avoided uh, you know that problem and, and had a great success. And like I said, maybe just just uh tweet what they already had to make it work yeah it's 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 a shame right but uh you know what we make we make decisions and sometimes we got to live with them yeah so yeah i mean do you have any i guess final words of wisdom or anything for our listeners yeah i think you know if 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 you look at um the unused potential and of your teams if you look at if you're a manager you got a group of people you know they don't work perfectly all the time you know that they're, uh, they're not uh, being able to produce at a level that, um, as, that they could simply because the culture, the systems, things that they need are not in place. And I would confront how you're operating as a manager, what you need to do differently. And taking a look, take a look at things like, you know, do they understand the big picture? Do they operate out of a sense of fear that they have to comply with 
with your wishes or, or demands, or are they personally committed and fully engaged in trying to do what's best for the success of the whole team and the overall business unit and the customer experience? You know, challenge yourself that if things aren't going as well as they could, what you need to do different in order to create that environment where people can get more fully engaged. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate you coming on today. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, I enjoyed the opportunity to chat and discuss yeah. some of these great ideas. It's awesome. Thanks. <laughs>